This podcast exists for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to Man vs. Market, the podcast where we break down all of the recent developments in the stock market and in macroeconomics in order to create a strategy that helps us beat the market and find the best places to have our money. Once again, I want to thank every single one of you who has downloaded this podcast in any way, shape, or form as we continue to grow exponentially. If you have found any value in this podcast at all, all that I ask is that you share with your friends and leave a review on wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into the economic news of the last week and analyze what we should do with the information. First and foremost, let's take a look at the talk of the town, the housing market. The housing market is continuing to slump. Housing sales are down 5.9% from June to July, and 20% from July of last year. This is likely due to mortgage rates remaining above 5%. The most recent Edward Jones forecast says a housing market crash is very unlikely, and this cooling in recent prices is more likely a softening rather than a correction. Since the start of the pandemic, housing prices are still up tremendously, and the housing market is still healthier than the media would like you to believe. Weirdly enough, materials that are used to build homes are still increasing in demand. This means that homeowners are more likely doing renovations rather than simply building a new house. Regardless, there is still a market for the builders. Taking a look at the retail sales numbers, we see that they remain very strong, and this is one of the main reasons that economists are so skeptical to call this a recession, despite the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. This new study that just came out says that Americans are spending $300 plus a month on impulse purchases that did not exist before the pandemic. This is almost like revenge spending, for not really being able to buy a lot of things over the last couple of years due to supply shock issues and other pandemic-related economic turmoil. And crazy enough, the numbers continue to impress despite the skyrocketing inflation. July also marks the seventh consecutive month of increasing retail sales. This is something that is quite uncommon for an economy looming over recession. But again, it is highly likely that we have seen a recent peak in these retail sales numbers, and as we enter deeper into this recession, this number is certainly going to come down. Taking a look at market expectations, on rate hikes. They have changed just a little bit over the last couple of weeks. There is about a 60% chance of a 50 basis point hike and a 40% chance of a 75 basis point hike for the Fed policy meeting in September. Developments over the next month will dramatically impact this decision as Jerome Powell has repeatedly said that the future hikes are going to be data-driven. A 50 basis point hike, which is now more likely than a 75 basis point hike, will be absolutely huge as it will signal that the Fed is slowing down their tightening cycle, as the last several rate hikes have been 75 basis points. But looking at the rest of the Fed policy meetings for the rest of the year, we have a meeting in November and in December. And where we stand today, the market expects a 50 basis point hike in November as well, and just a 25 basis point hike in December. So hopefully we are nearing the end of this rate hike cycle. Moving over to inflation, and more specifically, inflation in Europe. The Eurozone inflation is above the US inflation, with their recent reading pointing to an 8.9% year-over-year increase in inflation. This is the highest in Eurozone history, and in the UK, which obviously is no longer in the Eurozone, they saw a 10.1% year-over-year increase in the inflation rate, which is the highest since 1982. 
For comparison, the US inflation is just 8.5%. Yeah, just 8.5%. This is one of the main reasons that the euro and the dollar are trading near parity once again, meaning that the euro dollar exchange rate is close to 1 to 1. The last time we saw the euro dollar trade in parity was 5 weeks ago, and the time before that was all the way back in 2002. And last, looking at the labor market, we see it continue to dominate, as the unemployment rate is the lowest in 50 years. This last week, we saw jobless claims hit 250,000. This is a number that is still below 91% of weekly jobless claims of the last 42 years, but is still 50% above the lows in March. So while the labor market is still ridiculously strong, we are still seeing signs of weakening. Again, there is something called the Phillips curve, which essentially states that as inflation increases, the unemployment rate will decrease. This is mostly due to the fact that as the cost of living increases, more people are forced back into the labor force to cover these increased costs. So if in fact inflation does begin to ease a little bit, it is almost a certainty that we will see the unemployment rate increase as well. Going deeper on the recession talks, there have been a lot of very interesting points made by different institutions as of the last couple of days. According to Edward Jones, there are three potential paths that we could already be on as far as the recession is concerned. One, the recession is old news, the cycle has reset, and a new uptrend is underway. They claim that under this scenario, the bear market ended in June, and growth-based stocks are going to have another monster rally. They also say that this outlook is the least likely. We are likely at the very beginning of an extended recession. The second possibility is that the Fed did everything right, and that we are in for a very soft landing, meaning that the economy would have narrowly avoided recession, and the cycle continues to mature. Some of the problems with this view is that the Fed does not have a great track record of bringing the economy down slowly. The Fed tends to overshoot in one direction, either tightening rates too slowly as to not quell inflation fast enough, or to tighten rates too quickly as to bring us down back into recession. But if this does materialize, then that would mean that the market slow is probably already in as well and that an early 2023 push would be a reasonable assumption. The third view, and the view that I hold, is that the economy is headed towards a mild 2023 recession as the Fed continues to tighten rates, as the yield curve continues to invert even further, and there is growing weakness at the corporate and consumer level. This seems like it is the most likely outcome, but it is again the labor market that is holding everything up. So don't be surprised if the Fed hikes rates a little bit quicker than expected in order to bring the labor market down just a bit to taper inflation as much as it can. Okay, let's now take a look at the price action for the last week and digest it just a little bit. We finally got the sell-off that I've been anticipating for several weeks now and did so in a bit of a dramatic fashion. The S&P 500 finished the week down 1.2%, the Dow Jones was down just 0.2%, and the Nasdaq was down 2.6%. SPY finally broke down beneath the rising wedge that has been forming for the last month and a half or so, and now presents a perfect opportunity for a short entry. For those who are unaware, a rising wedge is a pattern that happens after a downtrend usually, and when price action moves higher in a wedge-like formation. Price action should trade in an upwards channel, with the bottom trend line acting steeper than the upper level. This is a bearish pattern, and again, a break below this lower trend line is a signal to enter short, and we saw that break below on the daily chart on Friday. But before we jump the gun and just rush into a bunch of short positions, 
There's a couple things we also need to be aware of. First, that 50% Fibonacci level from the all-time highs sits at about 421 even, and as we approached that level on Friday, we rejected off of it really sharply. If the bears truly want to see some more downside and start getting some actual lower lows, they are going to have to break through this early in the week next week. And on the flip side, the Bulls absolutely have to hold this level, as it will be a huge psychological for either side. Quick side note on this 50% retracement level, it is a bit more significant than may initially meet the eye. Throughout the entire history of the S&P 500, whenever we have seen a rally in a bear market that has broken above the 50% retracement level, which in this case would represent 421, we have never seen new lows made even once. So if this trend is to follow, it says we are not going to see anything really below that 360 level that we saw back in June, as we did close above that 50% level on August. August 12th. But if we do want to see the bears get more downside, they will absolutely have to retake this level as soon as possible. Taking a look at the volume, we saw on Friday about 68 million shares traded for SPY. This puts it on the higher end of single day volume traded over the last few months. The day before on Thursday was only about 48 million, putting it as one of the lowest volume days of the entire year. Usually, when volume moves lower over a long period of time, like we have seen since mid-June, it is usually followed by a large move, and according to the charts, that large move is more likely to be to the downside. Something else that is quite odd if we take a look at the dollar, we see it has moved dramatically higher over the last 10 days, about 3.4% up in that time frame. And yes, this is a significant move for the dollar. We are less than 1% away from the 20-year highs set all the way back in July. And at the same time, the market is barely moving downwards. This is something else really unusual for a steep dollar rally like we've seen. The dollar is now speaking to us. Currency markets are usually the leaders of everything else. So the dollar is saying that this rally is really peculiar and something is going to budge. Now, despite all of these bearish signals, there are weirdly some two distinct bullish indicators that we should be aware of, at least on the 65-minute chart. We are seeing two hidden bullish divergences on the 65-minute chart. And again, this is where price sees higher lows, and the oscillators see lower lows. What's interesting is instead of just one appearing, which can usually be invalidated by a larger bearish pattern, we see two. One of them starts on August 9th, and the other one starts on August 11th, with both of them ending with the close on Friday. Now, one thing to be aware of is the 65-minute chart divergences tend to signal shorter-term moves than, say, a daily chart divergence. So if we do see the market respect these patterns, the move up would likely be a little bit shorter. However, if we see price action start to break above the gap level at 425, which should in theory act as resistance, then my short thesis is going to be tested just a little bit, and I would then consider going long. But with what I am currently seeing, it looks a lot more likely that we are going to see downside rather than a move upwards for an extended period of time. Alright, that is all we are going to have time to cover today. I know this episode was a little bit shorter than normal, but I still think we were able to get all of the information that I wanted to across. Again, if you enjoyed this episode in any way, please consider leaving a review and sharing with someone else who may also benefit from something like this. Alright, I will talk to you guys next week.